so blessed. And, and this morning, um, I want to preach a message entitled, No More Excuses. And if you have your Bibles, book of Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to be re reading verses um, 11 and 12. When you get there, say amen. The Bible says these words, verse 11 and 12, it says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God says, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Why don't we go ahead and pray this morning, Lord, we thank you for your grace and for your goodness, Lord, and I pray right now, Lord, that I would decrease, Lord, and that you would increase. We, we thank you, Lord, for everything you're doing in our church, and right now, Lord, we just pray for your anointing flow of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray right now, Lord, that you would strengthen hearts and lives. Lord, we pray right now, Lord God, that your name would be glorified. We bind every strategy of the enemy, Lord, every lie, every device, Lord, of the enemy that tried to discourage what you're going to do inside of our life, and Right now, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would anoint this message for your glory and honor. Lord, that today, Lord, you bring revival to every single one of our lives. And we pray, Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, that they leave this place knowing you, Lord. We'll be sure to give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. And all of God's people said, amen, amen and amen. On March 27, 1964, for more than a half an hour, 38 respectable law-abiding citizens in Queens, New York, Watch a killer stalk and stab a woman in three separate attacks in Kew Gardens. Twice the sound of their voices and the sudden glow of their bedroom light interrupted him and frightened him off. Each time again he returned and sought her out and stabbed her again. Not one person telephoned the police during this assault. One of the witnesses called after the woman was dead. One of the police officers in charge of the investigation, a veteran of 25 years in the homicide investigation, he was shocked. He said to himself and said in an interview, what happened was that good people failed to call the police. The police stressed how simple a phone call would have been and how it would have changed everything. One policeman said a phone call would have done it. One of the witnesses, he explained that he called the police after much deliberation. And what ended up happening is that he told the police, I didn't want to get involved. This morning, I want to preach about having no excuses because the reality is this, is that you and I, we're in a place, we're inside of our life where the enemy wants to rob and destroy everything that God wants to do inside of our life. The enemy wants to rob and destroy. Uh, he wants to kill our destiny. The Bible says that the thief cometh to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundantly inside of our life. Now, many years after this, psychologists, what they called what happened was the bystander effect. And what happened to these 37, 38 people there in Queens, New York, is that they began waking up. They heard this woman screaming, but no one wanted to get involved because they thought someone else is going to do something. And that's what happens when you get in a group of large people. When something's taking place, everyone assumes that she's going to help out or he's going to help out when God has called us to help out. 
when God has called us to be those people, those agents of change that get involved and say, you know what, no more excuses. The Bible says that God called Moses. God called Moses to a great task to deliver the children of Israel from Egypt. Now, God called them, but Moses said to God, who am I? He began to make excuse after excuse after excuse. And inside of our lives, there are going to be times we come to places where God is going to call us and you and I are faced with the choice of whether we're going to make excuse with Jesus or whether we're going to walk by faith. I don't know about you, but how many of us know we want to walk by faith and we want to be those people that God has called us to be for his kingdom? This morning, I want you to look at your hands, and I want you to take a really good look at them. How many of you here today, you've been praying for somebody. You said, Lord, save them, deliver them. Lord, help them. Lord, send somebody to help them. I want to tell you that Jesus wants to use your hands to be his hands. Your hands to be his hands and your hands to get involved in the need that you see. I want you to look at your feet. Take a good look at your feet today. Those feet, you say, you know what, uh, my size 10 or 12, whatever the size of your foot is, you say, I want somebody to go help that person. God wants you to use those feet to go help that person. God wants you to use your feet to be the feet of Jesus. God wants us to use our hands to be the hands of Jesus. Today, I want you to raise your hands today. Just put your hands up today. Those hands, God wants those hands to be the hands that bring healing and change and transformation. God wants us to use our hands to serve his kingdom, to answer his call, to do those things that God has called us to do inside of our life. He wants us to be agents of change. A lot of us are praying, Lord, send someone. Lord, let somebody do something. Lord, Lord, let that other person, Lord, that coworker, tell them about Jesus. Lord, let that person help them out. Let that person adopt that, that child. Lord, let that person be a foster parent. Lord, let that person do this and do that. And you know, God says, I want you to do something. I want you to do something. I'm talking to myself here today. This morning, while we start say, saying, Lord, instead of them, why don't you say, Lord, send me. Use these hands. Use these feet. Use this mouth. Use this heart, God, to be your heart, your mouth, your feet, your hands. In Jesus' mighty name. Now, church, 37 people did nothing. In a church of this magnitude, a lot of times we say, we assume, oh, they'll be an usher. Oh, they'll be a nursery worker. Oh, they'll go to the prison ministry. Oh, they'll help out in the, in the parking lot. Oh, they'll do this. They'll do that. When you and I let the enemy use a bystander effect on side of our lives, when God has called us to serve. Your hands, your feet, your mouth, your heart for his kingdom and his glory. In Alley County alone, I talked to Pastor Jose this morning. There's 25,000 foster youth. Alley County alone. 18,000 of them are between the ages of 5 and 21. There's a need. You look at the prison system, there's a need. You look at trafficking in California, there's a need. You look at cities that are going down, families that are falling apart, there's a need. And you and I, God has called us to answer that need. The Bible says in the book of Luke, chapter 14, verse 16, and Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent a servant to tell those who had been invited to come, for everything is now ready. Now, back in these days, they would send out two invitations. The first invitation was, okay, if they're going to be a part of it now. The second invitation was it was time to go to the banquet. Now, so many of these people, they said yes. They said yes to God the first time. Now it was a second invitation. And it says, at the time of the banquet, he said to servants to tell them who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. 
but they all like began to make excuses. I want you to look at your neighbor. I want you to say, stop making excuses. The first one said, I just bought a field, and I must now go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm still on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I like this one, he said, I just got married, so I can't make it. How many of you have ever heard that one? I just got married, I can't help out no more. No, you know what, you need God more than ever when you barely get married. You want to be involved as much as you can. You want to continue to serve as much as you can because you're going to need all of Jesus in that marriage that you can have. Amen. Don't, don't use, you know, I just bought a field, you know, materialism. You know, I just got some oxen, a car. I just got a new car. You know, uh, you know, I'm too young, God. You know, I'm too old, God. No, no, never say you're too old. You're never too old. You're never too old. The Bible says Moses was 80 years old when God called him. Moses was 80 years old when God, you're never too old to do something great for God. I just got married. The servant came back and reported this to his master, and the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant go out quickly to the streets and the alleys of the towns and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Then the master told the servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in. Compel them to come in that my house will be full. How many of us know that God wants his house full? He really does. I, I challenge you, next Sunday when pastor's back on June 30th, how many of you know we want to fill every single chair in this place and on the balcony? I already called my cousin. She told me she's going to be here next Sunday. If you call one person or two people or your whole family, how many of us know they need Jesus? They need Jesus. That we want to compel them. Compel them. Go to the highways and to the byways. Go to your office. Go to your family gatherings and compel them. You know what? Next Sunday we're going to have a good service. Next Sunday pray for them. Fast for them. Get them in here. Use your hands, your feet, your heart, your mouth to compel them to come in and fill this place. Oh, man, we could fill this place easy. We really can. If one of us brought one person next week, we wouldn't even fit in here. Did you know that? None of, we wouldn't fit in here. I, brought, I already got one person that's coming. I want to bring three more, though. But I know some of you guys can outdo me. You can bring 12 of your family. You know you can have all 12 of them here. Just tell them, you know what, I'm going to take you to Denny's after. <laughs> it was a banquet they were going to. Compel them to come and say, you know what, come over. Let's hear the word of God. Call up the backslider that God has placed in your heart. Compel them to come in here. That coworker that God's been dealing with you to witness to, compel them to come here in here. That God's house might be full. That God's house might be full. I want you to look at your neighbor today and say this. Next week we're going to fill this house. And you know who God's going to use? God's going to use you to compel them to come in this place. Revival is here. Popular excuses that you and I have, I don't have time to serve, I have trouble talking, I'm too old, I'm too young, I don't have enough money, I'm a failure, I've already tried. You study Moses' life, he was a failure. 
At, one, at 40 years old, he messed up. He, he committed murder. 40 years in the wilderness, God called him again. God said, you know what, it's time for a second chance. Your failure is not final. God says, I'm going to restore. I'm going to use you, Moses. I have a plan for your life. Maybe you say today, I'm a failure as a parent. I'm a failure at, at, in this and that. I want to say that God is a God of restoration and hope and strength and power. And that you and I can be rebuilt by the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, some people say, I prayed before and it didn't turn out the way I had hoped. I want to tell you, God has called us to pray and not to give up. We got to continue to pray and seek the face of God and say, God, I'm going to be persistent in prayer and I'm not going to let go of the things that you called me to do inside of my life. Now, church, God has a plan for our life. And there's so many people that make excuses in these three areas. And the first one is this, in serving. Everyone say serving. Some people say, I'm too busy at my job, I can't serve. No, you need to make time for the house of God. You need to make time for the things of God. Why? Because it's so important that you and I serve in God's house, that God might bring blessings inside of our lives, inside of our hearts. And I want to tell you that we'll get treasures in heaven that will never fade away when we serve in the house of the Lord. So the, the, the enemy will always say, stop serving. Another thing the enemy will t try to make us stop doing is sharing. Sharing the gospel. Telling people about God. Letting people know about the goodness of God, sharing of our finances to those who are in need and those who need God's strength and God's power, those who are poor, helping out the poor, giving to the kingdom of God. The enemy will always try to stop us from sharing. Another thing the enemy will try to stop us from doing is connecting. Connecting. How many of us know we need to connect with our spouse? We need to connect with our kids. We need to connect with our brothers and sisters to our left and to our right because when there's a good connection between those on our left and our right, how many of us know there's a good connection between us and God? If we have this relationship right with God, I want to tell you that we'll be right with man. When we're right with God this way, vertically, you and I, God's able to bless our life horizontally inside of our life with men and women in the kingdom of God. The enemy always say, you know what, don't stay connected, don't share don't serve. You and I have an effect on other people's lives. Moses' first excuse was, who am I? Who am I? The Bible says that Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Now, the first excuse from Moses seemed seem fair. He goes, who am I to go to Pharaoh? I, I can't talk. I, I have trouble. Uh, um, I'm not eloquent of speech. He began to say all these excuses of why he couldn't do what God had called him to do. But one of the things that we know about God is that God, he'll call the unqualified and make them qualified. God will call things that are not as though they are. Another thing that we see about God is that God, uh, when he calls us, the task, we can't do it on our own power, our own strength, but we need the help of God inside of our life. If we're going to accomplish those things that God has called us to do. And that's why the Bible says, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. With God all things are possible inside of our life. And relating that to our life, a lot of times we say, man, I can't do it. I'm too shy. I'm too nervous. I don't know how to talk. Why should I tell somebody about the Lord? I don't know all the answers to those questions. When God's saying, I want you to go by faith. And I want you to step out and know that you can trust me and believe in me. Everything that God calls us to do, our experience is never enough. Our experience is never enough. It's never, it will never suffice what God calls us to do. Our education, our lack thereof is never enough when God calls us to do something. Just like Moses. 
Our personality and charisma is never enough. You and I, we need God. We need God's help so bad in whatever God calls us to do. And, and maybe you're here today and say, you know what, God, um, I, I'm not capable. I am, I am not smart enough. I am, I am not, I don't know enough, God, I am, and you're going, I am tired, I, I am exhausted, I am this, and I am that, and you're going, I am, I am, I am, I am, and you're not knowing of who God is, because it's not about who we are, it's about who he is, it's about who he is, see, we're not going to step into our destiny on our own strength. The way we step into our destiny is by being obedient to the, to the will of God and the voice of God. And as you and I are obedient to God's word and his voice, he's with us every step of the way. The Bible says he goes before us to prepare the way. That whatever God's destiny is for your life, he's already 20 steps ahead of you preparing the way, getting you ready for, getting things ready for when you arrive at that place. But how many of us know we got the enemy behind us too? Trying to catch up, trying to destroy what God wants to do. The Bible says when the enemy's behind us, that God is our rear guard and goes in the back and begins to defeat the enemy. Now that's exciting news. If you're here today and go, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I want to tell you, we got God before us. But the, when, it, when the enemy gets behind us, God's Holy Spirit jumps behind us and fights the battle for us. God's words gives us a strategy. Guess what the strategy is for spiritual victory? Be still and watch the salvation of the Lord. God has called us to be still and to watch what he does. See, the battle's not ours. The battle is the Lord's. And he's the one that's going to get all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, all the worship. The Bible talks about that in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 12. It says that he makes us have peace, but everything we accomplish, he accomplished for us. Everything we do, we haven't did it. He did it for us. He did it for you and I. Having a right concept of who God is, right idea, who is God? Moses came to, to God in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, verse 15. He said, Moses said to him, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Now, we're going to throw up I am right there uh, on the screen. And I am is, uh, is a term, same way we say I am going fishing or I am I am hungry, I, I, I am uh, going to this place, the I am, th th that's the same term you see right here in scripture. But when you say I am and you have a quotation mark on both ends, what God was saying is something very tremendous and powerful. He's saying I'm all sufficient. I am everything. I am present, omnipresent. I am all that you need. When God says, I am, it's a powerful term. That means that whatever situation we're in today, that he is there to be the I am of what we need. Maybe you're here today and you need comfort in your life. You could come up to God and right now who God is to you, he's our I am, your comforter. 
I am your comforter in your sorrow, in your pain, in your loss, in your grieving. Right now, God is I am your comforter. Maybe you're here today and you're in a different situation where you need provision from God. You need finances from God. You, you need a miracle. Now, right now, you need to cry out to God and say, God, I need you to be who? God says, right now, I am going to be Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Maybe you're here today and you need healing in your body. Right now, you don't, need, uh, you don't need anything else, but you need healing. Right now, God's coming to you as Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that healeth you. I am the Lord that brings healing inside of your body. Maybe you're here, you have a family member that's sick of cancer. You have something going on right now. You need God to be, I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth. The Lord that bringeth healing inside of your body. And that's what you and I, we claim and we say, God, this is your name and this is who you need to be in my life right now. This is where I'm at, God. So he is all sufficient for whatever you're facing inside of your life. Maybe right now you need direction in your life. Right now he's going to be, I am your direction. I am your wonderful counsel. I am. Whatever we're going through, no matter what time in our life, he is the I am. Why don't we give him praise today in this place for that. Lord, we thank you, God, for being the I am. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your strength, God, and everything you've done inside of our life, inside of our heart. I am. Man, that's a powerful term. That gets us excited, huh? that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That he's with us every single step of the way. He says in the word, I am your deliverer. Psalms 50 verse 15, call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. And, I will, and you will honor me. I will deliver you. The Bible says that he is our helper. In the book of Hebrews chapter 13 verse 6, he says, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Man, that's a powerful portion of scripture. That you and I, we can be confident, we can be excited because nobody can hurt us. That we know that we can be confident in God, that God is with us every single step of the way. When you're witnessing to that coworker and you just feel like it's not, you know, really making sense, we know that God is with us. We can be confident that we're sharing the love of God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength. He is what? He is our helper. I love this next one. God says, I am your sustainer. What that means is there's some times in our life where we feel like we can't go on. We feel like, man, we can't even take the next step. And that's when God's carrying us, our sustainer. Psalms 54, verse 4, surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Not only is he that, but how many of us know that our Lord is our hope? The Bible says in Psalms 33, verse 20, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalms 73, 26, talk about the Lord being our strength. How many of us here today, we need the strength of God in our life? We need the strength of God inside of our, our hearts. We need the strength of God inside of our frame. The Bible says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength. Of my heart, he's the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That means when our hearts grow tired and weary, that God gives strength to our heart. That God gives strength to a heart and all of a sudden that heartbeat begins to beat for the Lord again. When we feel like we're going to fail and it's going to fall through. But God begins to give strength to our heart to continue in the battle that we're in. God says in his word that he's our reward. I am your reward, he says. In the book of Genesis 15 verse 1, after this the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I, I am your shield and I am your very great reward. 
One of the things we see, common things we see right here is God says, do not fear. Do not fear. I am with you. I am your shield. I am your refuge. I am your reward. David talks about that again in Psalms 18. He talks about how the Lord is our protector. Verse 2, the Bible says, David said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. How many of you know it's good to get angry at the devil? It's good to get angry at the enemy. And the Bible goes on to say this, you know, how many of us know the enemy wants to destroy everything that God wants to do? He wants to destroy our marriage, he wants to destroy our kids, he wants to destroy every, our finance, all kinds of things. I don't know about you, but that gets me angry. That gets me really angry to know the enemy wants to do that. And I want to say when you get angry at the enemy, you begin to pray more, you begin to praise more, you begin to get on fire more, you begin to want to serve more, you begin to want to make a difference more. Why? Because you know that when you serve, when you connect, when you share, you're destroying the works of darkness. That's why. That's why I get so excited for anything I do for the house of God, even if it's picking up a paper inside the church when no one's looking. Why? Because it's destroying the works of the enemy when you praise God, when you worship God, when you give God glory. I don't know about you, but some of us need to get angry at the devil. We need to get angry at what he wants to do. We need to get angry at how he wants to destroy our lives. And you need to say, God, I'm going to serve you with all of my heart because I know when I serve God, you tear down the works of darkness. People get saved. When lives get changed, when people get transformed, the enemy is defeated. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. And you know the good thing is, is that he anoints us for service. Whatever he called us to do, he'll see us through. The Bible says he parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. Imagine that, God soaring down on the wings of the wind for you and for me. When we cried out to him, that's what he did. When you cried out to him, he thought no one heard. He soared down. He came to you as those tears were streaming down your face. You thought no one was there. No, no one was answering the phone. No, he was coming down on the wings of the wind. He was coming straight to you, brother. He was coming straight to you, sister. He sees your pain. He sees your tears, and he is near. The Bible says he's close to the brokenhearted. He's close to them. The Bible says he came down, dark clouds in the sky, out of the hailstones and the presence of clouds advanced. With hailstones and bolts of lightning, the Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He, shout, he shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. How many know the enemy cannot stand God? God defeated the enemy. The enemy's defeated. I don't care about what scary movie you watched of God, God not overcoming and Chucky being strong. No, no, it doesn't work like that. God would just kick Chucky out of the way and you know what, he came down on the wings of the wind. He won. He won. You don't got to be afraid no more. Fear not. He is with us. Amen. 
Victory in Jesus. Amen. There's victory in the Lord. Over 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross, he won the Super Bowl of all humanity. It was finished. You and I are forgiven. You and I are redeemed. You and I are changed. He came to destroy the works of darkness. That's why Jesus came. That's the only one that could have done it. He's the one who done it. He did it. It's finished. It's done. He said it's done. And when he said it's done, it's done. He came to destroy the works of darkness and break the chains of darkness. That's exactly what he did. That's the Jesus we serve. That's the God that we serve. Yet you and I, if we're going to boast in anything, let's boast in the Lord. If we're going to boast in anything, you know, don't boast in what you drive. Don't boast in how you look. Don't boast in how much money you have in your bank account or how much money you don't have in your bank account. If anyone's going to boast, let us boast in Jesus Christ that God is good, that God is coming again, that God loves us, that God has a plan for our lives, that God is bringing revival to hearts, to minds, to spirits. And we're his hands, we're his feet, we're his heart, we're his mouth. We got to walk in that. We got to walk in that. Stop being scared. Stop saying, I used to go out outreaching in 1992 on Friday night. It was crazy. Well, Friday night's coming this Friday. Why don't we get crazy for Jesus again? Why don't we stop saying, I used to do, we used to do this, we used to, why don't we get present tense? We're doing this now. 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 He's saying, Pastor, you're getting too excited. God is good, church. God is really good. He's really good. Um, we're living in the now. The moment is now. We can't live in the past or in the future. We have to live in the now that God is God of the now and the new. Today we can use our hands for Jesus. We don't even have to put it on our calendar. It's going to come to us. There's opportunities that are going to come to us today. Today opportunities are going to come to us for you and I to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ now. You might say, well, where? With your kids. With your husband. Your singles. Today, you can minister. God's going to put you in a place that today, now, not what I used to do or, or where we're going to be, but now. We can minister to generations today. It's, now is the day. We serve the God of the now. We're not serving the God, of, you know, we're serving the God of the now. The Bible says he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of the now. He's the God eternal. Everything. He is God of everything. And he's so good. So good. So this morning, if the worship team could make their way up here, it's not what we used to do in 92. God's calling you today. Some of you, God's been ministering to you today. God wants you to get involved in this church. God's been ministering to start helping, ushering. God's been ministering to some of you. Start helping in the prison ministry. God is ministering to some of you today. Begin to minister in this area and that area inside of your life. And you might say, God, I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. And, you know, that's what Moses said to God. He said, God, I can't talk. I, I can't even speak. 
He said, I'm not eloquent of speech. I'm not the smartest. And God says to him, who made the mouth? But one of the things about Moses, he always made excuses. He didn't see himself the way God seen him. He, he, did, he couldn't grasp it. He couldn't get grasp how God seen him. You might say, well, how did God see him? Well, you're going to have to look to the book of Acts. Stephen, right before he's going to be martyred, he began to give God's description of Moses. That Moses was prepared even as a young boy for what God had planned for his life. And book of Acts chapter 7 verse 22 says, Moses was educated with all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And he was powerful in speech and action. See, God seen Moses the way Moses didn't see himself. Moses seen himself as someone who couldn't talk. And God seen him someone who was powerful. Someone who was smart. Someone who could be used in a mighty way. And many of us, we see God, I can't do it. I'm not qualified. I'm, I'm too old. Or I'm too young. Or, or this and that and this and that. We make excuse after excuse after excuse. And we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. When God says, when I'm with them, they're powerful. When I'm behind them, they're anointed. When I'm with them, they're redeemed. When I'm with them, Nothing can stop them because when I'm with them, when, I, when I'm with them, nothing is impossible for them. And many of us here today, we see ourselves defined by the words of men, of teachers, negativity, saying you'll never amount to nothing. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You look at your failures time and time again, constantly at your mirror. You need to break that mirror and put your heart in God's word and say, God, your word says that I'm redeemed. Your word says that I'm forgiven. Your word says that I'm more than a conqueror through you. Your word says that you go before me and you prepare the way for me. Your word says you'll never leave me, never forsake me. Your word says that you'll be with me every single day step of the way I'm losing my voice up here but I don't really care and you know why because God called you and you and you and your mom too I don't care how old you are I don't care you might say you know what I'm 80 I'm 90 years old God don't care you might say I'm too young I'm only 13 years old God don't care you might say I'm a failure God wants to use you for his kingdom God wants to raise you up now and today now and today will you believe God God has a plan for your life God has called you don't say God I am I'm a failure God I am tired God I am worthless God, I am ugly. God, I am stupid. I'm not the smartest. I am this and I am that. And in high school, I, am, I was this and, and that. No, no, no. Get yourself off yourself and get yourself on God. That he says, I am, I am all sufficient for you today. I am. That's his promise to us. That's the God that we serve this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed.